I'm Bob Maine, and you're listening to another episode of today's Survival Show, where it's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. And that slogan is probably very appropriate for this particular episode. This is entitled Surviving Unemployment. So doing what you can with what you have wherever you are, as Teddy Roosevelt once said, really does apply to surviving unemployment, doesn't it? So recently I had a chance to get together with my good friend Matt Chusnick. He lives in Austin. I live in San Antonio. I was up there on business. We got a chance over the lunch hour to talk about how to survive losing a job. Now, many times on this podcast, I have referred to the loss of a job as a disaster. It is. Too many people think that preppers and survivalists, modern survivalists, too many people think that what we're doing is we're getting ready for the next natural disaster or a nuclear disaster or some kind of an Armageddon or zombie hunting and all that kind of stuff. And really, with common sense preppers, that's not really the way it is. Most common sense preppers are preparing for more common type disasters. And losing a job, I would say, is one of those common disasters, especially the last few years, as rotten as this economy is in the United States, the unemployment problem has been a huge problem. And it can be devastating. It can be devastating to families. So it is a disaster. It is definitely a disaster. So how are you preparing for that? That's what this show is dedicated to a couple of announcements before getting started with the interview. The website is todayssurvival.com. If you are on iTunes, you can find my show at Today's Survival Show on iTunes. If you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe. If you do use iTunes, would you please write a review? Go to iTunes, go to the feed where you get my podcast subscription. And, uh, and click write a review and let me know what you think of the show. That would really help. I'd like to know that. I'm an open-minded guy and I like to see different types of feedback. Also, if you want to send me an email, you can email me at bob at todayssurvival.com. Bob at todayssurvival.com. Remember, there's two S's in that address. Bob at todayssurvival.com. Uh, also, please remember to join our forum Our forum is an excellent group of people. You know, by Internet standards, we're relatively small. I think about 800 members or something like that right now as of the time of this recording. And I kind of like it that way. You know, I am a member of some very, very large forums out there, and there are some distinct disadvantages of large forums. Uh, We're a good group, good small group of of survivalists, modern preppers that just want to help each other out. We're very polite. We don't engage in personal attacks. We watch that very closely. Go to todayssurvival.com. Click the forum button. It'll take you to where you need to go to get signed up for the forum. Get your free account. Do me a favor, please. Email me if you register for the forum. Email me at bobatodayssurvival.com and just say, Hey, Bob, I signed up for your forum. Please approve my account. At least once every 24 hours, sometimes sooner. I check that to see if there are new members waiting for approval. I use this system simply because there are too many spammers out there. And I can figure out who's a spammer and who's not. And so I know if you send me an email that says, Hey, Bob, I just signed up for the forum. I know you're listening to this podcast and you're probably not a spammer. So please do that and join. Also, if you like what I do on this show, if this show helps you, if it helps you improve your life and improve your preparations, if you don't mind, please consider supporting my show. I do not have sponsors or advertisers on this program for a reason. I do that on purpose. This is entirely a listener-supported show because I want to remain as independent. and I don't want to inundate you with commercials. So... If you don't mind, consider uh, investing in my Survival Champions Club podcast. My Survival Champions Club podcast is 20 bucks. Go to todayssurvival.com. Click the link at the top of the page that says Survival Champions Club podcast. I will email back to you a couple of hours of really good preparedness information. Good stuff on 
first aid, good stuff on knife and tool sharpening, excellent stuff on growing and harvesting herbs and things like that. And uh, you'll, you're going to like it. You're going to like it. Good fundamentals of survivalism and preparation. I think you'll be quite pleased. Okay, that's it for the announcement. Let's uh, get right into it. My interview with Matt Chusnick. And by the way, you'll hear us throughout the episode talk a little bit about his knife and tool sharpening business and his website and his email address and things like that if you have any questions for him. Without any further ado, here we go. I'm here with my good friend, Matt Chusnick. We're in Austin, Texas. How's it going, Matt? I'm doing great, Bob. How are you doing? Good, good. Now, most of you listening to this, you know Matt's been on this show before. We did a Skype interview a long time ago on knife sharpening, and he also contributed some information to my Survival Champions Club, which some of you have uh, made the investment in. We also did one on uh, volunteerism. Oh, we did one on volunteerism. That's right. Yes. This will be about, like, what? This is your third or fourth time on the show. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So uh, we're we're standing in a pretty cool spot in Austin here, the uh, the Barton is it Barton Creek Greenbelt. It's, it's the Barton Creek Greenbelt. All right, this is pretty good. This is kind of a survivalist atmosphere here. <laughs> I like it. So we're going to talk about surviving unemployment, a topic I have never explored on this show before. Now, you know, I want to say it's unfortunate that you've become good at surviving <laughs> unemployment. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's one of those things where I guess I'm. I'm sad that I've learned the skill because it is kind of rough. Yeah. But on the other end of it, I also have learned a lot more about myself because I've been coming through it. I'm sure you probably have. You know, it's it's one of those things where the economy turned around and they didn't need me in my job and they let me go. And I started looking and unfortunately I was in a very specialized type of business and type of situation and so it's been hard to kind of turn it around to say yeah my computer skills at doing this are just what you need I think I've interviewed for one job that was actually would have been in my field and it was at a university and from the sound of it when I left the interview it sounded like they had somebody else that they knew would be the perfect fit for that position yeah and so it was, they, they kind of just said, eh, sorry, you didn't get the spot. Well, and that's unfortunate. Now, you've been unemployed unemployoed now for a while. Yeah, uh, let's see, about three years. Now, I have done, you know, a couple of side jobs. Side jobs. I, I worked for the Census Bureau back in 2010, and then I just uh, worked about six months for a guy who does custom iron work. Yep. And yeah. So I've, I've had jobs here and there in there. But one of the, the first things that I've learned in doing this is I've learned that you have to leave on good terms. No matter where you're, you're going from. You what just, if it's not your choice to leave? It wasn't my choice to leave in, in either time. But you still did it on good terms. I did it no on good No flipping terms. the bird or anything like that. You know, <laughs> no, because it, it doesn't do you any good. Right. It's, you know, when my boss called me in at the place I was working and I, I literally, I, I sat there and he just looked at me and said, look, Matt, I'm really sorry about this, but this is, I said, you're going to have to let me go. And he, his eyes got big and I could see him getting ready for the yelling and the screaming. And I just said, Alex. You're, you're not doing this. He said, Matt, I'm going to have to let you go. Yeah. And your response was what? I was like, Alex, you're not doing this because you want to. I know that you don't want to. He was, Alex is a, Alex is a good guy, and I have the utmost respect for him. He probably didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. But the company we were with uh, put everybody through the ringer. We lost. We, you know, a national company. But here in Texas, we had locations in Houston and Dallas San Antonio, Austin, and I guarantee every shop lost at least five people. And they probably had 20 people in their total. And about three months after I left, 
they turned around and gave everybody a 5% pay cut to the regular employees and they cut the manager's pay by 10% just to make ends meet. Yeah. So you're saying leave on good terms, which I yeah. agree with you because um, I, I fortunately, thank God, and, and I thank God for the blessing, that I have not been unemployed since 1998. Now, the last time I was unemployed, I was let go. Mm-hmm. And I I did leave on good terms, and I do think that that's important. Tell tell us why you think it's important. Well, it's it's important because one, if you're going to get called back, that that puts you at the top of the list. I mean, they they True. literally, I I was thanked profusely for being polite, for being kind, for being understanding, for being compassionate. The back HR to department him. appreciated it, didn't they? Well, the HR department. You know, in a company where you've got like 20 people, we really didn't have an HR person on staff. Okay. It was the manager of the shop. And, but he was just like, you wouldn't believe I've, I've had people in here. We, we had to let go of five people. He's like, people were yelling at me, swearing at me. And, you know, it, it, he gave me the time that I needed to kind of calm down, to collect my things. I asked him if he wanted me to finish the day out, you know, but even still, he gave me time to go around to all my friends and all the people I was he did, working huh? with. Yeah. And it was, hey, I got let go. I'm not going to be here anymore. You know, here, stay in touch with me. Do this. Really? Yeah. You're lucky because when I was let go, I was walked out the door immediately. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, I was not let go because I did something wrong. I was let go because they eliminated my position. Yeah. They got rid of my position, but they walked me right out. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's the thing is that they walked the other people out. Not you, and no. he gave me the time to to say goodbye to people and friends that that I'd had. That was for nice. Several years, and it's one of the things that I thank him for every day. You know, and I'm still on friendly terms with him. I have gone back there two or three times to say hi to people, but also to bring some business into him when I've needed wow. some some stuff done that they did. Well, your point about leaving on good terms because you'll be one of the first that they call back—that's important. Because sometimes they do call people back. Yeah, I when you know they actually debated for a while calling me back, but they weren't sure of the position if the position was going to be a permanent position again. They and it actually turned out that they had enough work to keep somebody busy for about a year, and then it fell off again, and they had to let that person go. Well, let me get your opinion on something. You think it'd be wise? In addition to leaving on good terms, letting them know you'd be willing to come back even for part-time work? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was the first thing I said to him is, you know, it's like, look, man, you ever need me for something? Even, uh, you know, and sometimes, you know, he had the, the ability to, to bring in people for, you know, one-time job type things. We've got a big run. Contract jobs. Your, your experience, we can contract you in here, no problem. You know, we'll, we'll get you taken care of. And so there was a lot of stuff that he was, you know, it, it opened up a lot of opportunities right there. If, if he needed me, he could have immediately called me and, and got me in there. Well, that's a very good point, you know. And I bet there's people who are listening to this, you know, they were probably just pissed off when they lost their job. I, and I was, I was, but, I was but like you, I didn't let my emotions get out of control and burn a bridge. Yeah. I mean, I was upset when they let me go because I was doing a good job. My, my, my branch was extremely profitable, but upper management decided they wanted to close some offices, actually. Yeah. And my office was one they decided to close. Yeah, and it's, it's one of these things where when you, when you do it, if you do it that way, it's, it's good all around because not only, you know, when you get a new job and you've given them the, the previous manager and stuff, I can use Alex to this day as a reference. Well, that's I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that. And, you know, and he will he's more than happy to to tell anybody that I'm a good worker, great employee, and did everything, and you know, it's a good reference right there. And that's the manager of the branch, you know. I mean, here's the guy who's in charge of everybody, who says, if I didn't if I hadn't been forced to, I wouldn't have let him go. You know, and, the and that, re- that would go a long way whenever you're being considered for another position. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
you know the the other thing that I I tell people because people have asked me about it go apply for the unemployment you've paid into the system either through you know direct taxes because I know there are places that make you pay into it for unemployment taxes I think Wisconsin does or at least they used to yeah I think so um you know, and then, uh, but here in Texas, I know the employers pay it, but that lowers your wage a little bit. You've, it's been comp somewhere along the line. It was taken out of your compensation. Exactly. They got you somewhere. They got they you always somewhere. do. <laughs> take the unemployment. I don't say live on it. I don't say stay on it permanently, but take it, but take it because you just don't know. I didn't know I was going to be unemployed for the last three years. I, I sat there and I was trying to figure out, you know, what was going on and, you know, we got a dog coming up here. Hi, dog. How are you? <laughs> hey, we had a dog visit us. He wants to join the podcast. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, what kind of dog is that? I have no idea. Oh, here comes another one. Oh, we got oh, wow. more. This one here, that one there looks yeah. like a golden retriever over there. Yeah. All right. Hang on. Yeah. All right. We got visited <laughs> by a couple of pretty cool dogs. Anyway, go ahead. Um, let's see. Take the unemployment because... You know, if you, if you don't know how long you're going to be out of work, you, you may as well just take it because it brings some income into your family. Well, uh, you know, puts food on the table. It, it does. I mean, and, and that's the thing is I was prepping before I got laid off. I didn't, I wasn't up to where I should have been with food, but I was still pretty good. And we've depleted. I mean, through the unemployment, you know, so we cut back on the groceries and we did all the other stuff that, you know, we needed to do, but even more so, um, you know, part of what my company did for me when they let me go is they didn't give me, you know, a, a separation package, uh, all the nice things, but he gave me the three weeks of vacation that I still had. Nice. They, they paid me out for that and they paid Actually, me I think the they had weeks. to do that. Uh, No. No, under their system, because they're not here, incorporated here in Texas, they actually didn't have to do that. Oh, okay. Because it's... But he did. He gave you the... They they gave me the three weeks, and what I did was I was able to take the money they gave me, I applied for the unemployment, I actually was able to use the money that I had been paid, and, uh, you know, a little bit of savings and stuff. We actually lived on that for a while and we let the unemployment grow okay so i was able to to roll the unemployment up into a, a good nest egg smart move it, well that it, it was just fortunate at that point that i was able to do it yeah but what i like and, about what you did there is you didn't go out and spend the vacation no, money you didn't no. blow it uh like i know some people that actually have done that and you yeah. actually leveraged it yeah the only thing we did was the day that i got laid off we were planning on going out as a family and having a nice meal out and and doing that and my wife you know said oh god well we better not do that tonight and i said no i said let's try to normalize this we've got two kids you know and you know this is tough i mean good attitude we had two kids uh you know one was uh let's see three years ago he was about five and my daughter had just been born and so it was, it was tough for at the moment. You know, it was like, oh my God, what are we going to do? But I was like, you know what? We're going to go out to dinner. We're going to have one little celebration. We'll keep it in moderation. We won't do the extravagant thing we were planning on doing because we've got no income coming in. Yep. And I went and we did that, and we got each of the kids a little toy, you know, a little something, and we had a really nice time together and then you know we were able to talk to my son and try to get him to understand and you know it's been tough for him how old was he he was five he understood it no but i think he does now he's eight and i think he's understanding now that this is what's happened and and this is what dad's done and the other thing is just you know it's when i got the job with the census bureau i didn't have to cut my unemployment off and you know be aware that if you are collecting unemployment, if you do get something part-time, unemployment covers what's called underemployment as well. You have to, re- here in Texas, at least 
this is how it works, is we have to report whatever money we're making. Right. And they deduct that amount from your unemployment payment. So by doing that, I was actually able to extend my unemployment a little bit longer while I was looking for permanent work. So, and that's good. Now i got to ask you a question. So what do you think about this 99 weeks of unemployment? On the one hand, I like it because personally, I was laid off of, from a job that I'd been with almost 10 years. Yeah. I figured I paid into it for at least, you know, 99 weeks of Good unemployment. Point. <laughs> at least. I, you know, at, at least that much. But on the other hand, it, it does get to be a crutch. I have been off unemployment since January of last year. Since January of 2011. So you've been off of it a year and a couple of months. Yeah. And and in that time, I mean, my wife has... You know, we, we really, you know, looked around and we we tried to, to find ways to make money. I mean... Is your wife working? She is. She, so you went from a two-income family to a one-income family. Actually, we were, we were a one-income family. Ah. To a no-income family. Back to a one. Back income. to a one income. Okay. And and my wife, she teaches knitting and crochet, and and stuff like that. And so that's not as consistent as what we had. Right. The fact that she's good at what she does, and she's hired, she's been hired by two different yarn stores to that teach helps. that stuff. <laughs> it helps a lot. We've also had great family support. Don't be afraid to walk into your family and say, "Hey, we are going to be going through tough times." I can't tell you the number of times that I've had family members step up out of the blue and just say... That's awesome. You know, here, let us help you with this. I mean, for, you know, two or three Christmases running, I've gotten gift cards for grocery stores from family members. And it's because they know we're struggling. Mm -hmm. They know we're going through some tough times right now. And they're like, we want to get you something... And and we're not we're, we're these people that you know, the kind of people that are are not like ooh gotta have the latest gadget I gotta have this I gotta have that it's you know I've gotta have what we need you know we've gotta have food to put on the table we've gotta have money to cover the rent we've gotta you know have clothes on our backs and be able to go out and look presentable to people and. That's what you know. They've been helping us out with. That's you know, great. Well, and so don't burn a bridge with a, with your family either. Oh, absolutely it, not. You, you're talking about a good reason why you shouldn't, if you can avoid it, don't burn bridges with family members. Don't burn bridges with anybody. With anybody, you <laughs> never know when when somebody can come out. Can I ask you something? Yeah. You, you started to get into this, and then you got off of it. I want you to get into it deeper. It sounded like you started getting into talking about cutting back the spending. Oh, absolutely. When you become unemployed. Uh, yeah. Uh, look at now, that you... might seem common sense, but it's amazing how common sense ain't so common sometimes. <laughs> was it Mark Twain it's... that said that? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it was. I think so. You know, and <laughs> some people just keep living the same kind of lifestyle they always lived, even though they're unemployed. Yeah, no, I we changed that up immediately. I mean, it's like we would, we would go out to eat once a week. We, you know, we were doing a lot of stuff that... Probably wasn't good for us to begin with, and, and it wasn't in the necessarily in the preppers' idea of of lifestyle. It wasn't a survivalist. Lifestyle. It, no, it, it wasn't as much of a survivalist lifestyle as I probably should have had. But you know, we still, you know, we we've managed to to do that, and we might go out to eat once a month now. And even even then, you know, it's it's like we're going to, you know. Jimbo's Taco Night, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're going to discount Taco Night uh, exactly. instead of going to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, right? I, I still haven't been there. <laughs> I've actually, well, I've only been to Ruth's Chris one time, and I was not paying the bill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can understand that because I wouldn't be either because I, I know how expensive they are. But the thing is, is cut back, cut back on what you spend except for time. Spend time on figuring out on, on things like networking. And, you know, there's only so many hours in a day and there's only so many days that you can send out 
job applications and resumes True. for eight hours a day. True. And and the way this economy has been, all the horror stories I've been hearing, I mean, I've heard about somebody who applied for a job, they actually knew the person who was interviewing people, and the they were family friends. And this person's mother or, or sister or somebody asked the, the person and said, hey, you know, she applied for that job over there, and you know, she hasn't heard anything. What do you know? And the woman just went, oh, I wish you would have told me that she had applied. Because literally what this woman was doing was taking stuff and going through the resumes. If the person wasn't employed currently, it was in the garbage they were, can. They were they being were, tossed. They were being tossed out. And, you know, that sort of proves the old saying that it's easier to find a job when you have a job. Yes. However... If if this lady would have been notified that a family member was family friend, it was a friend, yeah, a family friend, friend. she probably could have put in a good word. And maybe that resume wouldn't have been exactly, out. and that's what she had said. So you know, you keep networking, talk to people all the time. I mean, I'm in contact. You know, it's like I contact you all the time, Bob. I yep. talk to because I I know I can put a plug in for you know. It's like I I did the unusual thing or not so unusual thing this time around. I actually started my own business yeah you know i do knife and tool sharpening and, and things like that and, and you're a good knife sharpener well, trust me folks <laughs> i've had him do several of my blades and he's good now you just talked about uh, you reinvented yourself well, I, you know you, you have to sometimes yeah. it's it's hard to say you know is it easy to do no is it is it something that you want to do all the time no i mean there there are days that I wake up and I'm like, God, I don't feel like doing anything today. And I don't want to do this. I don't want to deal with this. I have plenty of days like that. I, well, I think everybody <laughs> does. But the thing is, is, is when you start getting that way, I think this is, this is the optimist. I've learned how to be an optimist since the unemployment. Well, and everybody knows just a few weeks ago, I did a you show did on that. Yeah. I did and, a show on... Optimism being one of the ideal survival, survival skills. It's, and I'll tell you, it'll get you through those rough spots. Um, stay positive. We both go checking our phones. That's my phone ringing, but that's actually a personal call, so it can wait. Um, <laughs> I've got the same ringtone. So yeah, like, I know. <laughs> As a matter of fact, that ringtone that everybody just heard now. Uh, gosh, my wife and I were sitting in a restaurant the other day, and there, there must have been like a dozen people in that restaurant with the same ringtone. And it's funny, it starts ringing, and eight different people whip out their cell phones to look to see who's calling, right? But, you know, I mean, networking is, is just as, and optimism is, actually optimism, what I want to get back to is, is just, you've got to keep the hope up. And it's not the, the idea that, everything's going to I I know it's not a Pollyanna approach yeah in the end of it all I know everything's going to be okay we're going to survive and we're going to get through this thing but I expect there to be rough times I expect there to be rough patches have I gone and gotten depressed and I you know and I'll I'll be honest here I have been treated for severe depression in the past and and I have gone through all that mental illness stuff it sucks it sucks big time but part of doing this was I had to change the outlook that I had this wasn't the you know while I, I was separated from the job it was also I, I took a look at it it was also time for me to be separated from that job good point I, I was I was looking for a way out I just didn't have the courage to tell myself that I needed that. What I needed to find that way out. Well, let me interject something if I can. Mm -hmm. um, I've been that manager on the other side of the desk that had to let someone go. Mm -hmm. I had to do that more often than I wanted to. I actually received two phone calls within 60 days from people that I let go thanking me for letting them go. Now, I'm not saying it's a good thing to lose a job. Oh, yeah. But sometimes a worker gets real stale. 
and they don't know it. Yes. And both of these people who called me, they said to me, they said, I don't have another job yet. But I'm sure glad I'm not working for you. <laughs> and it's not that they it, that I was they didn't like no. me. They didn't like the company, and they knew that it wasn't a fit. And they were actually fired up about finding something new. And and I'll tell you, I went about about sixty days after I was let go. I got together with a buddy of mine from that same company, and we we worked literally in the same cubicle. So we spent the whole day together for almost a year and a half. And, you know, we we went out to lunch and he took a look at me. He said, my God, you look so much happier, so much healthier, so much better than you looked every day coming into the the shop and and being there that it's just amazing. And I said... Yeah, you know, it sucks being out of work, but I do feel better. I had the energy to be out and looking, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, it's frustrating after two years and three years of not really finding something that was a good fit. And here in Texas, we have one of the best economies in the United States, and you're still struggling. I'm still struggling. I know a lot of people who are still struggling looking for things. Yeah. so, I mean, what I did, like you said, is I reinvented myself. I went and took an idea that I had had about sharpening, and I'm working, I mean, you know, it's, it's part of the networking. Starting my own business, it's like I've gone to um, SCORE, which is a small business development thing that uh, is... SCORE, S-C-O-R-E? Yes. Okay. And they, they have offices all over the U.S., and... They will sit down with you. You can walk in there with an idea for a business and just say, I have this idea. I want to talk to somebody about it. You know what their website is? Um, I believe it is score.org. S-C-O-R-E.org? .org. Okay. But if you Google S-C-O-R-E, and it's all in caps, if you Google it, you will find it. Okay, and they're they're the people that they can help you find small business lenders, and they they've got links with the federal government. But not only do they have counselors for people who want to start businesses, and the counseling is free, really, and they give you solid advice. They give you a path to kind of take yourself down, cool, and and help you with establishing it. But they also offer uh, free and low cost workshops. And they'll do things, I mean, they do a, a workshop on social media, I think it's like $45. Okay. And it's a day-long workshop on learning how to use social media. Um, you know, here it is, sorry to interrupt you, I just found it on my iPhone. Yeah. You're right, score.org is the website, www.score.org. You're right, That's a, I never heard of that resource. Yeah, they... Um, I've been researching in how to start my own business for years because it was something I wanted to do. I just had five million different ideas for things. And I finally just narrowed it down to to a couple of things that I really enjoyed and was able to say, okay, this is where I want to go. But also, one thing to check out, here in Austin, we have a small business development program. I bet a lot of cities do. And, and I'm thinking, yeah, it's starting to become a very common thing within the city government. And what they do is they help you navigate how the city works and the laws and things like that. Yeah, that's good to know because and, and they can throw a lot of snags at you. Yes, and they're willing, they're there to help you out and, and do things for you all the time. And, you know, they, they gave you, I've gotten information on all the small businesses here in town. I mean, Austin is a fantastic city to to be in a small business. We we have a thriving local business community. So is San Antonio too. You know, yeah. but yeah, I mean, Austin. I can speak for I, I visit San Antonio, but don't live there, so it's kind of hard to say sometimes. Yeah. But they've got this. They're one of the best small business development programs in this in the U.S. And they do the same thing as Score. They offer free and low cost. Uh, business workshops, you know, it's it's like they they talk about 
okay, here's what you want to do when you think you want to start a business. Where are you at? And you kind of go through it with them. And there's a lot of businesses that can be started without a huge investment oh. up front. And they're legitimate businesses, Well, but you don't have to be plunking down exactly. several thousand dollars to get it going. Exactly. I mean, you know, what I did was a sharpening. Well, I sharpen thing. I sharpen tools and knives. I use stones. I, I do it all by hand. I do it with a stone. And people ask me, they go, well, wouldn't a machine be better? And, and don't you want this machine or that machine? And, yeah, I'd like a machine. But, on the other hand, having done it by hand, the difference between by hand and by machine is about two minutes. And why, why buy the machine? Well, exactly. I Unless mean, you have so much business that you can't keep up with it. Well, you know, and that's one of the things that I'm looking at is it's like, you know, the machine's $700. The machine I want is $700. Yeah. But I'll put money aside for it, and eventually I'll get it. But right now, I'm You'll at a You'll sharpen by hand for now. I can sharpen by hand almost as fast as somebody can do it by machine. Just curious, what is the $700 machine you want? Uh, the $700 machine I want is called a Tormac T7. Tormac T7? Yeah. Is it a knife sharpening machine? It is a sharpening machine. It can do knives, scissors, uh, planes. You find them a lot of time at uh, places like uh, Woodcraft Supply, where the, a lot of people are woodworkers. They use them a lot, and they, they kind of market them more to uh, woodworkers and guys who do uh, wood turning. Oh, okay. You know, for their, their equipment, because... It's a low-speed grinder. It runs at 90 RPM, and it's water-cooled the whole time. So it is probably the slowest-speed grinder that you'll ever run across. And it's, like I said, it's water-cooled, so you're never going to draw a temper off of anything that you sharpen with it. Cool, cool. I was just curious. I didn't mean to get you off track, but uh, I was curious what this $700 sharpening machine was. Uh, it's you know it's an investment, and I've I've looked around at some of the other ones and stuff, and I, but that's the one that I keep coming back to. It's got the highest ratings that I've ever heard about. I know people who own them and swear by them, and just love them. So, well, I want to ask you a question because it sounds to me, and don't be afraid to disagree with me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me that what you're saying from a survivalist standpoint, and you're trying to survive on unemployment. Your knowledge and your skills are going to pay off much greater than the supplies you have. A lot of times, yeah. I'm not saying don't store supplies. Oh. I've said many, I've done many shows about storing supplies. No, and, and we had a store, and when we cut back, I mean, we've eaten into our store, and I, I'd love to get back up to where we were and, yeah. and supersede what we had. And see, storing food and water, this is one of the reasons you do it also. To survive unemployment. Exactly. Uh, you know, a lot of people think from a stink hit the fan perspective that, oh, I got to have all this food stored in case the crap hits the fan. Well, that's true. You have to, but guess what? Losing a job, job is crap. The crap the has hit the fan. <laughs> you lost a job, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. and that's the thing is the other thing is, is when you network with people, you hear about little odd jobs. Uh, take them. Take How do you network? What, what, what are you doing? I, I talk to people. I've got a friend of mine who, who does... Uh, what I guess which is specifically called materials handling it's basically being a mover for uh, big companies mm -hmm. they come in you know he and, he and his well he comes in he arranges for you know all the furniture and stuff to be moved out of one location and then delivered to another location and a lot of times what we'll do is he'll call me up and say hey I got a job meet me here I'm over there, first thing in the morning, we're loading up a truck, we're driving someplace, we we empty the truck, and we're done, you know, and, you know, it, it may only be 40, 80 bucks, but it's 40 or 80 bucks that I didn't that have. That you didn't have coming in. And, you know, so it's, and it's, you know, it's as an as-need basis, but I've got, <coughs> excuse me, we've got a family friend who's doing some uh, remodel in, in their garden and stuff, and they needed some help. And they were like, well, I can't pay you tons, but I can give you like eight bucks an hour. And I hey, said, sure. You're like, I'll take it. I'll take it. And I was, I've was i been out there and, and doing yard work for this person, and I, I've been... In other words, what you're saying is don't be lazy. 
Don't be lazy. I think a lot of people, when they become unemployed, it's such a shock that they get depressed and lazy. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is you have to you have to stay optimistic. You have to say there is something out there for me. I don't know what it is. And it might not be the optimal thing. Exactly. It might not be the optimal job, but there could be something out there for you. Well, there no, I think there is something out there for everybody, and and maybe that's a little Pollyanna-ish, but I'm I'm willing to to go out on a limb and say, I think everybody, there is a job out there for everybody. Now, what that job is, I got no idea. You know, I'm still searching, but I think if you follow your passions and you follow the the things that you like to do and maybe even look into your hob look at your hobbies and see what you you enjoy doing there's probably a way to turn that into something that'll make at least a little bit of money for to you to supplement your unemployment to supplement your unemployment or even to continue if even if you have a job now the yeah. economy sucks yeah i mean there's there's just the economy sucks all the way around it doesn't matter if you've got a job. If you want to bring in some extra money, do it. Do it. Start looking for it because if you do get laid off tomorrow or next week, hey, guess what? You've built up or you've started to build up yep. some additional income coming in that you can say, okay, I've got this. I can fall back on it. I can fall back so on it. So you're speaking to the people right now who are employed. And you're encouraging them to prepare for unemployment. I'm encouraging everybody to prepare for unemployment. I don't care if you're employed or unemployed right now. You you have to, you know, you have to sit there and say, wait, what can I do? You know, I made money all throughout high school working odd jobs for people. So I, I called everybody up and I talked to all my family members. and I said, hey, look, I'm looking for odd jobs. Somebody need their garage cleaned out? Call me. Yeah. Exactly. I'll do it. Yeah. I'm not proud. Well, I'm you're not being lazy and you're not being too prideful. You know, a lot of people are so prideful, they just they think to themselves, well, I've never done that kind of work and I'll never do it. I guess that's kind of a bad attitude if you're unemployed, huh? It, it is. And I, I know there's there's one thing that I, I need to speak to because people are going to say, well, you could have gone down to McDonald's and you could have gotten a job down at McDonald's. But Bob, you know... Uh, like everybody else, you know, maybe not everybody knows yeah. this, but but we just got visited by another uh, dog, which is good. Rita, Rita's a cool dog. I like your dog. Thank you. She's a very good girl. Yeah, the chocolate lab. It looks like. Rita, no, they don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> you were addressing the McDonald's. Thing. Um, you know, go go down to McDonald's. Go down to fast food. Well, the problem is. I suffer from something that you do too, Bob. I suffer from celiac. Yeah. Which is an allergy to wheat and gluten. Celiac The protein in wheat. Yeah. Going into some place like that could actually make me sick. Mm -hmm. Could make me so sick, could send me to the hospital where they try to figure out what's wrong. And it's a horrible thing because I've done fast food work. I'm not too proud to go do fast food work. Finding a place where I could do fast food work would be almost impossible right now. And it's an unfortunate thing because it it really does knock a whole lot off of it. I hated fast food work, but I was very willing to do it. But the cross-contamination and the, the actual having to handle the stuff all day long and the possibility of it, it rubbing into my face and that yeah. stuff, it, it would just make me sick. Oh, I completely understand that. And so it's not that I didn't want to do it. It's that we looked at it, at the reality of it and we, my wife and I discussed it and it was a family decision and it became, you know, an acknowledgement of that's a limitation you have. You yeah. have this kind of a disability per se so from your standpoint, from someone that's been unemployed for almost a few years, mm-hmm. you can speak from a different kind of perspective than I can speak from because I haven't been unemployed for the last few years. It sounds to me like you're encouraging people listening to this to get ready right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I realized 
one of the things that I had never done was was get ready for unemployment. I it was just it never crossed my mind. You never know when your boss could call I, you in or call you on the phone and say it's over. I had never. I mean, I, I think the last time I was unemployed was for about a month and a half, two months, back in '94. I think it was '94, '95, somewhere in there. Uh, I was unemployed for a very brief period of time, and I, I look at it now, and I'm like, you know, I wasn't prepared for it then, and I, I allowed myself to be lulled into this kind of sense of security that I have a job, I'm good at what I do, I'm maybe not the best at what I do, but I'm willing to teach people what I do and do things, and so I'm a good employee because, you know, I show up to work on time and I, I'm doing and all the right things. And you have references that will attest to that. Yeah, I, you know, I'm doing all the right things, but what happened was I just... I fell into a, a position where I was uh, redundant. Yeah. You know, I had two people who were uh, cost less to keep them on. And they could do the, exactly the same job that I did. You know, and they hadn't been with the company as long. So they didn't need to pay them, you know, three weeks of paid vacation and all that other stuff. You know, like they needed with, with me. And so they looked at it and they drew up the charts and said, you know what? He's got to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So let's let's shift gears a little bit, but not too much. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to say was maybe, who knows? Maybe Matt's knife and tool sharpening will take off and yeah. be a thriving business. You yeah. know, um, it might take a while. But maybe that might be your next step. That could be the way that, that you reinvent yourself. Yeah, and I and I think, like I said, not to be too Pollyanna-ish, you know, I think there there is something out there that, that I say is, is a divine being. You know, be it God, be it Buddha, be it, you know, Allah, whoever. There, there is some type of divine force in, in the world. Um, but I think also that divine force wants you to do what you're meant to do. So it takes you along the path to get you there. And there's an old Chinese saying that says an easy life teaches us nothing. It's the struggles. It's the hard times. It's, you know, everything that goes on between it that you realize that teaches you how to enjoy the successes in life. Exactly. Well, that's a good point. You know, uh, you're right. An easy life teaches you nothing. Yeah. Question for you. Um, does Matt's knife and tool sharpening take in knives from outside of Austin? I will take in knives from anywhere. And so the, how, the actual- how do people get in touch with you? The, the actual name of the company is not Matt's Knife and Tool Sharpening. It's Sharpen Pointy Knife and Tool. Sharpen Pointy Knife and Tool. Okay. Uh, and they can reach me, uh, Sharpen Pointy Knife and Tool, gmail.com. Sharp and Pointy Knife and Tool wait, at gmail.com. Wait a minute. Let me. Knives at gmail.com. Sharp and Pointy Knives at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. So they can email you at sharpenpointyknives at gmail.com, make arrangements to send it in. And let me give you a testimonial. Uh, Matt's done two or three of my blades. Unfortunately, one of those blades I don't have anymore. But he's ma- you even he's magnificent, folks. He even took a knife that basically I had ruined, and he made it usable again. <laughs> it's, it's not terrific, but it's usable. It's my backup knife is what it is. Um, and uh, so sharpenpointyknives at gmail.com. They can email you. They can email me. Um, you know, if they want to give me a call, uh, it's 512-609-9724. Repeat that again. 512-609-9724. Okay. If you don't mind, I'll put a link on the forum. Absolutely. Go right ahead. Um 
you know, I've also worked with um, a couple people. And you're going to hand sharpen their knives. I will hand sharpen their knives. Um, but I, I've worked with uh, Andrea, Penguin of Doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Hi, Andrea. How you doing? <laughs> I, I've I worked with her one night uh, teaching her how to sharpen knives. I got to follow up with her and find out how she's enjoying that stuff. I got to follow up. Hey Andrea, I owe you an email because she's emailed me about a couple of things too. As a matter of fact, let me give her a little bit of airplay. Um, <laughs> she uh, she gave me a little sharpening kit, knife sharpening kit. Ah. Since we're talking about it, that I'm going to give away to a listener. Uh, for hand sharpening knives, thank you very much. The Lansky and system. The okay. Lansky system. Andrea donated one of those. So you you can read about it if you decide to invest in my Survival Champions Club combo, which I'm offering, which Matt is on there, and um, uh, as well as several other people, you might get a Lansky system. So thank you, Andrea. I appreciate that. And I, um, I'm trying to think of who I've, I've worked with a couple other people on the forums and mm-hmm. uh Met, met people through Bob and, you know, networked. We Bob and I met Eric Fritz, who's a knife maker on the forums. Awesome. Eric, man, your knife is phenomenal. Whoa. <laughs> this thing is, a, this is the greatest knife since sliced bread, no pun intended. <laughs> it's awesome. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, it's it's been a great networking experience. It's been a, a great experience for me to meet all sorts of people and I've talked with, uh, oh gosh, some people up in, there's another gentleman up in Dallas whose name I'm just escaping, but he's been on the show a couple of times. Um, he's an ex-paramedic. Uh, Shane? Or, oh, or physical therapy guy. I'm trying to think. There's you mean Matt Brasick up in Wisconsin? No, no, not Matt Brasick in Wisconsin. Um, this was... Uh, he did one on water collection. He used to live in Oklahoma, and now he lives in Dallas area. And you mean Dustin Keener? Yes, Dustin Keener. All right, Dustin, how you doing? Good to <laughs> let me give a shout out to him too. I had lunch with Dustin. He's a great guy. Yeah, uh, Dustin's uh, gotten in touch with me on Facebook, and I actually do have a Facebook page, Sharp and Pointy Knives, on Facebook. You know, people. Okay, so you're on Facebook as Sharp and Pointy Knives. As, well, as, and as myself. Anybody listening to this, um, if you got any job leads for Matt here in Austin, you've got his uh, email, sharpenpointingknives at gmail.com. Uh, send him an, you know, but, but you're talk, we're talking about network, networking. And, you know, I kind of consider today's survival show a survival network. You know, I kind of think that some of us form a relationship where we would help take care of each other if there's some challenges, even if it's little things. You know, you and I have done little things for each other, and and we met through this show. Same thing when it comes to a job. I when when I was unemployed, the next job I found Mm -hmm. was through somebody I knew. Absolutely, and that's the best way to find a job. Yeah, which is why I keep saying to people, you know, network, 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 network. You know, I heard somebody say this, and I think it's true. When you don't have a job, your full time job is to find a job. I, I think for a lot of people, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've I've looked at it, and there's been some stuff where, I and I think you know, my line is 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 now because I am finding my way into running my own business and doing my own stuff, and doing something that I love. I mean, I am thrilled to sharpen a knife. I absolutely. It's. I'm glad you are because I'm not. <laughs> yeah, people often look at me and go, "God, you know, I can't stand doing this." You know, I'm I, one of those that says I can't stand it. <laughs> I love it. It's it's meditative to me. I get up in the morning and I'll sit there cross-legged on the floor, and we've got this little low tea table. I set everything up on, and I'm just sitting there doing it. My wife goes, "Yeah, it's your Zen moment." It just it's relaxing to me. It's something I can easily do, and. I keep, I've get I've gotten a feel for it. I enjoy it. I love doing it. See, my my equivalent is going to the shooting range and popping off rounds. Well, there you go. Boy, to me, that's the biggest stress reliever that I can do. I mean, even if all I do is run two magazines through my Glock, it's like, 
oh, okay, I just got that out of my system. Now I'm ready to go do something, you know? Yeah, and, you know, I mean, for some people, but, I mean, for some people, it's, I mean, my wife, it's knitting and crochet. She yeah. loves to do that. With my wife, it's reading. My I've, wife likes to read. Oh, I love to read. They just don't pay me to read. I know. And Wouldn't I it be nice if we could get paid oh. to read? If my wife could get paid to read, she'd be so rich I wouldn't have to work. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would be ready to do that in a second. Yeah. But um, now it's any of that type of stuff. It, network with people. Talk with people. Find things that you love to do. I, I took an opportunity when I got unemployed to do something that I'd never done before. But I'd wanted to do since I was three years old. Mm-hmm. I went out and... I found there's a blacksmithing organization here in town. I'm glad you're talking about this. And I went out and looked them up and got all the information. And this place, these guys are, it's 15 bucks. Well, it was at the time it was 15 bucks a year. Now it's up to 20 bucks a year. But I set aside $20 every year to keep my membership up in this. I've, I've been a member for three, almost four years now. I'm now on their board of directors. I'm now helping them run this stuff. I'm coordinating volunteers at different forges for special events. It's fantastic. It's a lot of fun. But the thing is, it's all translatable job skills. Exactly. It's coordinating, you know, an event. It's someday that's all going to pay off for you. And that's a yeah. And I look at it that way. It's like I know how to do it. I can do that. I'm not afraid of doing that. I've done it. So put me in, coach, and let me do it. But. Um, <laughs> You know, sometimes it's a little hard to, to get this, but I enjoy the blacksmithing aspect and it helps me with my sharpening too because I not only understand how the knife is made, I mean, and, and literally from, you know, with a factory knife, I've studied how they make them and how you put them together and all that stuff, but I've actually made knives and so I understand how this tool is made. But I've also made other types of tools. And knowing how a tool is made helps you in knowing how it should be sharpened. And, and, so, that's, a, and that's something you can put on your resume. Exactly. In, in case you're applying for a job of a similar nature, that goes on your resume. Yeah. And, and that's something, you know, I'm just trying to network myself to, to pieces and, and learn anything that I can. It's like the the one thing that I have learned in 43 years of life, never be afraid to learn something. Oh, yeah. Never be too scared. I've I've learned knitting, you know, and people, you know, get guys get shocked. Like, knitting? That's, that's <laughs> knitting? It's like, it's not. I know more about yarn than I ever have cared to want to know. <laughs> but... I've expressed an interest in what my wife does, and in turn, she's expressed interest in what I do. There you go. And we share... Guys, that's good advice. <laughs> well, we share a lot of information because sometimes there's something that she's doing to try to sell herself that's not working. And she goes, I just don't understand why people aren't doing it. I said, oh, sweetheart, why don't you do X, Y, Z? And she does it, and it takes off. And it's just like, Wow. How did you know how to do that? But it's you like, wouldn't be able to talk about that unless you took an interest in what she Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if I tuned out every time she started talking about yarn, I wouldn't have been able to help her with stuff where she was having problems, you know, and, and she was trying to learn how to market herself and some stuff. And I got her onto some things and that's helped her. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's doing very well with this stuff. That's great. Well, you know what, Matt? This has been great. I think this is a good stopping point. We've given out a lot of information on surviving unemployment. And again, you know, I think we want to, you and I want to kind of stress the points about staying positive, be an optimist, learn to reinvent yourself, be willing to reinvent yourself, don't be lazy, network, do odd jobs. Uh, What else is here on your notes? uh, Go ahead. Don't be afraid to collect the unemployment. You paid into it. And, uh, you know, when you, when, you, when you do leave, don't, um, when somebody lets you go, don't tee off on it. Yeah, because it, it, it can only help you. It, it, being polite can only help Teeing you. Teeing off on them and getting mad it, will never help you. That ne- no, that never does. I mean, and I've done that. I, I fully admit it. And 
I, you know, back when I was younger, about 18, I had a job and a horrible boss. And I teed off on him. And wouldn't you know it, uh, about six, eight months later, I actually had to turn around and walk back into his, his store and, and beg him for my job back. And beg him, or beg him for a job. You know what? I'm going to close off this part of the interview, or this part of the podcast. I'm going to close it off with some words of wisdom that my old mentor, uh, Tom Hopkins, if some of you know him, he gave me these words of wisdom. You almost hit on it. I'm going to say this in a family-friendly way. He didn't say it family-friendly, but I will. He said, be careful of the toes you step on today. They might be connected to the butt you have to kiss tomorrow. <laughs> That's very true. That is very true. And I learned that the hard way. You never know whose butt that those toes might be connected to tomorrow that you're going to have to kiss. kiss. Don't step on them today. Matt, yes. thanks. Thank I you, appreciate Bob. it. Thanks for this interview. This has been great. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Well, thank you, Matt, for that excellent interview. Man, I, I thank God every day that I have not had to endure the last three years of being unemployed. But Matt's done a great job of surviving it. I have no doubt a new career awaits for him at some point in the very near future. I'm a firm believer that good things are eventually going to happen to good people. Matt's a good guy. Matt, I think some good things are coming to you, coming your way pretty soon. If you'd like to check out the links to his website and everything we talked about, if you go to the forum, even if you're not a member, if you go to today's Survival Show forum and you look for the sub-forum that says comments about podcasts, I will start a thread in that sub-forum about this episode and put some links in there. So that's it, folks. I'm Bob Main, and you just listened to me and Matt Chusnick talk about surviving unemployment. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of today's survival show. It's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. Thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.